Hey everyone, after listening to this episode, if you want to financially support Diamond Willow Ministries, go to their website. It is d-w-m.org. Or you can just Google Diamond Willow Ministries. It should pull it up. You can donate right there online if you want to support them financially. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I hope that you learn a lot about this amazing ministry in this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pocket Theology. Martin is out today, but I'm here with Andrew Thomas, a friend of ours from Bible College, who's currently serving at Diamond Willow Ministries, serving the Crow Creek Sioux Tribal Community in South Dakota. Andrew, how you doing, man? Doing good. Yeah. I'm glad to take part in this opportunity. So yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. We appreciate you giving us the time. I want to start off with just a little bit of intro background for anyone that doesn't know you or what's going on with your ministry there in South Dakota. Tell us a little bit about you, about your family, about how you guys got involved at Diamond Willow and a little bit about like the heartbeat of that ministry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, a lot of years uh, when since we first kind of got introduced to the ministry, you know, um, growing up, lived in Missouri. Um, my, my family kind of a uh, at least my mom and dad were kind of pursuing the all-american dream right my dad had a good job and and was um making good money and they just built their dream house and and uh, uh but uh, of course the conviction um that christ put on their hearts was um to take them away from that um and so they started to seek out uh, different ministry opportunities and we were going to a church at the time uh this was i think back in 2007 maybe we started going to this church or 2006 and uh, they were looking for ministry opportunities as well. Um, and we happened to um, come across uh, Diamond Willow, I believe at ICOM uh, one year. And so um, we just got paired up um, through our church. Uh, we got uh, some resources together and came up to the ministry here after um, talking it over with the um, Diamond Willow um, crew that was at ICOM that year and um, did that for two years. So we came up uh, two summers and uh, kind of served like a little summer um, um, VBS or you know, one week of teaching Bible um, to the kids here at the uh, on the reservation, and so I yeah, did that for two two weeks, or sorry, two two years, one week out of um, each each of those years. And my parents kind of felt like you know this could be a place that they could get in and serve full time. You know, like they said, they wanted to kind of abandon their decisions to you know get the big house, get all the fun toys, and you know have the nice per- picture perfect family. And and uh, Rod Vaughn, who is the director of the ministry here, um, he called up my dad at one point and said, Hey, I mean, we, we need some help out here. We're looking to have a family, you know, to come and help serve with us and assist the community. You know, we had been up here twice and had a good relationship established and invited us to come up. And and so in 2011, January 1st, in the middle of a blizzard, we moved up here. Um, they literally had to plow through like eight foot of snow in between the church and where our triplex is, we were going to live. And so, uh, lived here for, um, about five years and then i graduated high school and and um went to florida for a year and then went to central with you guys to complete my degree um but in that time frame my family i'm actually moved back to missouri my dad runs a a ministry organization down down in uh, uh, missouri and so but uh, after graduation um rod vaughn again called me up and said hey you know you fit in here you 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 know the people you know the culture you know the, the the ministry you know come back and help us if you're willing and i said you know absolutely my heart's kind of always been here i've been up here every summer helping with either camps or whatever for the last like 13 years so yeah I, i've been up here full time for um since september of 2020 i moved up here um, and i've uh, been able to serve the community here in a very wide variety of ways it's it's our 
our roles here in the ministry are, are not um, real specific. I mean, we have our specific roles, but it's very broad in what we do. I mean, I could say the same probably for you. You know, ministry is not uh, always the most narrowed thing. It's very broad. So, yeah, uh, I've been up here um, doing um, full time ministry for, you know, since 2020. And yeah, the ministry here itself is it, it's its focus is just to to bring the simplicity of the gospel to the people here. Just like any community, you know, there's hardships here. You know, statistics will show that there's, you know, much more hardships here than most most places with poverty level, um, just the uh, lack of unemployment, lack of graduations and, and at, at high schools, um, lack of stability in general. Um, and so Diamond Willow Ministries is really um, kind of broke up into two different parts, as I'm sure we'll get into in just a little bit. But uh, um, the Ikchayate Christian Center, which is um, the church body here, you know, seeks to serve the community by strengthening families. And then the Takata Youth Center, which is our kind of second wing of the ministry, is really like a, a boys and girls club in the community, which seeks to uh, give hope to the, the future of the youth to help them be leaders in the community. A lot of incredible um, new things going on right now with uh, both sides of the ministry here. So e even my position, you know, is changing just about every year I've been here. It changes to, to some extent, and I'm just going through a kind of a changing process right now. So. Yeah. And that is, that is ministry, right? Like mm -hmm. you're all over the place and your job description one month is not your job description the next. Yeah. So definitely something that uh, any ministers listening and myself can empathize with. Um, yeah. yeah. You mentioned those two parts of the ministry mm -hmm. up there, the, the youth center and then like the church itself mm -hmm. um, in a community that has a lot of challenges, whether it's uh, substance abuse or poverty or high school graduation where it's being especially mm -hmm. low. Same sorts of issues you see in a lot of the rural Midwest, mm -hmm. uh, which, again, is probably something a lot of listeners can empathize with. Yeah practical hands-on healing ministries are mm. really important. So can you talk a little bit about that youth center and how you inspire mm. the next generation, how you help them to stay away from the things that might harm them, encourage mm -hmm. them towards things that will upbuild not only them, but their community as well? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that has been such a huge push for the ministry and really such a, a, a clear gift from God to the ministry and for the community. Um, I mean, I wish I could get into all the details and in, in um, the director of the ministry. He's working on getting all those written down. Just all the crazy, um, seemingly crazy, unique details that have fallen in, into place for this building to be where it's at and doing what it's doing. Because it's very, very unusual in the the context that we're in here on the reservation for something like this to be happening. Um, but God is good, and He He is um, allowing us to be a part of that plan, which is awesome. Yeah, the U Center is. Its focus is to help lead up the teens and the the, the kids, the children um, from kindergarten through 12th grade is kind of the range of of um, kids that are that come to the programming. Um, uh, give them hope for a better future. Um, give them the skills they need to go through the difficulties that they have to deal with in their life. A lot of these um, kids have um, very difficult homes, um, home lives, very difficult community lives. Just a lot of things that are going against them, I think, at this point in their life, even at such a young age, that some of the trauma that these kids have gone through, you know, I can't even imagine having to go through myself, yet alone, you know, at the young age that they are. But um, so the youth center um, does that in several different ways. Um, the youth center has uh, it, it's multifaceted in the way that it runs. And so it's, it's almost like um, it's almost like a summer camp um, every day 
you know, winter, summer, you know, spring, all the seasons, it acts as um, a stable place for the kids to come and be themselves, a stable place for the kids to come and get a, um, a good healthy meal and learn about um, their physical health and um, a good place to come and learn about their emotional health, right? We tried to walk through, um, you know, personal interactions with other kids. You know, if, if, you know, a kid's acting up, we have to help discipline them in an appropriate, you know, way, not being their guardian, but still being somebody who loves them and wants them to, you know, learn how to deal with difficulties and, and interpersonal communications with other kids. And so uh, uh, we, we also allow, um, not allow, we really, it's a blessing. We have all of our um, staff members at this point, other than um, uh, Aaron Vaughn, who is the director of the youth center and then um, his wife cricket who helps teach. Um, and so they um, are, uh, community members, but not tribal members. So they work here at the church and live um, right across the, the street from me. But um, all the other staff are all local community tribal members. Um, and so, and a large majority of the staff, the larger majority of the staff are actually teen mentors that are able to be paid um, to help, um, you know, run the facility, whether it's um, helping in the game room. There's a big game room, there's a big cafeteria room, there's a classroom. Um, and so they rotate through these stations um, and to do a, a large variety of things. But really, I mean, honestly, to break it down to the simplest that I can, you know, because like I said, there's so many things that go into it. Um, break it down to what it is at the simplest form is they come to the youth center and they know that they're, they're going to be seen. They're going to be loved and they're going to have a safe place to come and go uh, to be themselves. Um, Right, they they can. Um, the schools actually drop a lot of the kids off right from the school. It's a drop off place um, for the buses, so they get dropped off, and um, right after school, they can come and, and hang out and just be seen, heard, and loved. And so, um, but the, part of that name, Tokata Youth Center, right? Tokata is um, the original language for um, future, so it's the future of the youth, the the future youth center. Um, in other words, it's the future of the community. Yeah, we're trying to to show them that, hey, this generational trauma that's been put on you guys, you can break out of that and be incredible leaders for this community and uh, ultimately for the sake of Christ and for the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's an amazing mission you're describing there. And I'm mm -hmm. sure a lot of things there that anyone that has um, ministered or worked with youth, whether you're in a school, in a church context, whatever, you can empathize mm -hmm. with some of that. There's one thing specifically I want to draw attention to. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of these kids have really hard backgrounds mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to experience if you work with youth, you're going to meet youth that have bad home lives or that mm -hmm. have had difficulties from the community surrounding them. Even if they have amazing parents, there's been other things outside of them that's caused yeah. issues for their uh, their lives. And you said that you couldn't imagine having mm -hmm. experienced something like that yourself, like some of these kids have. How do you approach people that have such a different experience from you with empathy so that you can reach them with the gospel so you can give mm -hmm. them hope for the future? Like, is there something that you do or spiritual disciplines you engage in or strategies you utilize to try to reach these kids and truly empathize with them and not mm -hmm. kind of place your assumptions on them? Yeah, there's a tough balance there. First of all, we don't want to enable anybody and say, you know, because of the things that are happening in your life, you know, you're, it's okay to to um, fall into substance abuse. It's okay to be, you know, a you know, drug a drug addict, or it's you know, but 
it's also, you know, another thing we want to say, like, we understand that what you're going through is hard. And these are just what, this is the only way of life that you know that you're, you got trauma. This is how you're going to deal with it. And, um, but trying, you know, not enabling them, but also showing them, like, we understand the struggle is hard. Like it's, it's difficult. And I mean, man, one of the biggest, I think, um, things that we can do is just understand that, uh, um, I think, I mean, the call that Christ gave us is to love your neighbor as yourself. Over the last couple of weeks, that verse has been kind of engraved into my brain. I've actually been preaching over spiritual disciplines here at the church, and we've been talking about serving one another uh, as a spiritual discipline that we're called to do. Um, and one of that, the, the greatest commandments is, right, love your neighbor as yourself. And love is hard sometimes. You know, love is difficult. It it requires effort on both parts. It requires awkward conversations. Um but I mean, in the context of these kids, a lot of them don't, they don't even know that they're dealing with trauma. Like they're so normalized to some of the things that are going on in life. And it's sad to say that, you know, they don't really even understand, you know, that, that a lot of what they're dealing with is, is trauma. And so we just have to understand that. And we have to know that our greatest um, goal or our, our greatest way of helping them is I think listening, because they're going to try their best to vocalize, you know, what's going on in their life and, and realizing some of the, um, actions that they take are an outcome of what's happening in their home life too because we've got lots of troubled kids who come every day and are you know always breaking the rules and and you know we could look at them and say oh you're a bad kid you know you can stop coming to the youth center or we could say hey you know this kid's probably got some things going on in their life that are hard to deal with and this is just some of the the outcomes of of what's going on and so treating the kids with grace and understanding I don't know myself. It, I'm actually just starting to get into the role of being there at the youth center. My, like I said, my I'm in that kind of a transitional role, role right now. I've been the pastor of the church here um, for the past um, three years since I've been here. Two or three years, I guess, two and a half years. But but there's a need down there for more help, and so um, Rod Vaughn, um, the director, he's, he's actually taken over um, the preaching roles again, so that I can go down and be with the kids, and so. I honestly wish I had a more clear answer to that question, um, but I think it's one that I'm going to be able to explore and I guess I already have been uh, kind of exploring, you know, the last couple of weeks that I've been down there, spending more time down there um, with the kids. And so, yeah, we, we want to be able to empathize with them, but it's hard to do when we don't have some of those past experiences to relate with. Um, but we still know that uh, I'm called to love these kids like Christ loves these kids. Um, and I'm going to do my best to do that. And I'm going to do that by listening, by being patient, by being gracious, by being um, kind, and really all the other um, spiritual fruits. Yeah. Let's turn our attention a little bit to the people that you've been working with. So you mentioned, you know, you're just starting to transition in the youth center, mm -hmm. but you've been working with the community at large for a while now. Even before you were hired on there, you had some experience. Mm -hmm. um, what's that community like? In what ways is it similar to maybe what some of the listeners might be used to? In what ways mm -hmm. is that context different? How is yeah. how's the personality of the community look? Yeah. Um, that's really a good question. If you were to drive your vehicle and, and show up here today, you know, it visually, you know, it it's just like most small towns, you know, a little bit run down, you know, old buildings, you know, it, it's hard to tell, you know, from the outside looking in or even, you know, driving in not much different than I think most um, small towns that are struggling with kind of a bad system, you know, alcohol, drug uh, abuse, you know, there's things that, that show from that all over. For the most part, I mean, we're talking about a completely different culture and 
then again, every community, small town, large city has its own culture. Um, but specifically, you know, we've got a native culture here that has um, native traditions. We have native um, teachings, native elders, you know, um, that, that all um, is very different in terms of like the small town that my family lives now um, in, in Missouri. It, it looks way different than that because um, here you've got a, a different people group, not just a culture, but a people group that it's very different. With that, there's different slang. There's different uh, just personal interactions that uh, are, are just different in many ways. Thankfully for me, yeah, I spent a lot of my you know teenage years and, and younger growing up here and I got to um, understand the community a lot more. And so but, uh, you know, I even remember sitting in Dr. Curtis's class at Central and and, and hearing about uh, that uh, culture iceberg. Right. You know, he gave that illustration where, you know, you, you just see the, the the top of the iceberg when you go into any community. Uh, you have to live there. And even when you live there, you still don't understand all of the things that are, you know, above the, or, or below that surface level. It's it's really a beautiful culture. Um, I, it's it's a tight knit culture. I mean, everybody's family out here. I mean, quite literally, you know, most people are related to, you know, just about everybody, you know, in the small, you know, community, but even on a, a deeper level than that, you know, in the native culture, it's an elder, any elder is your grandma, or your grandpa, you know, any older, you know, uh, woman or man is your uncle, or your auntie or um, brothers or sisters, you know, it's, it's kind of, a, um, it's very connected in that way. But there's also, you know, there's extra family drama that goes along with that when you're really close like that with everybody. Um, and that might be similar to some, you know, communities, you know, most communities are very tight knit. Like I remember even at central, you know, you got a really small body of people um, who know each other very well. And uh, there's some pros and cons to that. So I don't know if that answered your question, but um, yeah, it's, it's different here. Uh, I mean, I can say, that, I mean, even um, like wakes and funerals, we've done a lot of wakes and funerals here. Um, over the last couple of years that just the death toll from COVID and sickness is really high the last couple of years. But, uh, and so the way that they um, handle death and things is, is a lot different. And from living here before, I didn't necessarily understand that because I wasn't really a part of the wakes and the funerals, right? I didn't have to deal with that. Um, but now as a pastor here, I have to um, help a lot of people in their trauma um, with losing loved ones. And there's some difficulties with that because there's a lot of traditional native things that are, are drawn into that um, and uh, just different ways of doing things. Um, and so um, for me personally, that's been one of the biggest, um, I guess, differences and, and difficulties of coming into this community and trying to understand. Um, like Curtis taught us, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be a lifelong learner of culture, especially if you weren't born in it. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be things you don't quite get. There's always going to be you know, cultural snafus that you're committing that you just, you don't realize. Yeah. And that's great. Like we live in a very globalized society. You're going to be mm -hmm. running into cultures that you aren't familiar with. Everyone is, if you're online, it's going to happen to you. Yeah. If you move out of your hometown, it's going to happen to you. And heck, depending on where you grow up, if you stay in your hometown, those cultures are going to come to you. Yeah. yeah. So being humble, being willing to learn and having a good sense of humor are all really, really helpful. Yeah. yeah. So that was terrific. I really appreciate that. I want to ask a specific question, more kind of a positive question here. Are there things that the community there is just really proud of? Like things mm -hmm. that if you grow up there, you're just like, yeah, this is us. We do this thing or this characterizes mm -hmm. us and they're just super proud of it. Yeah. 
Um, I think, like I mentioned, that family aspect of, of knowing that everybody is, is deeply connected and there should be that connectedness there. Um, they're very proud of that. And I think that's a good thing to be proud of. I mean, I think the loving your neighbor as yourself is, um, it's easier to see when you consider everybody in your community, not just your neighbor, but your family, right? Um, you know, I hear a lot of, of how um, they're very proud of that. In fact, the um, tribal chairman, he has weekly or monthly addresses for the community and he always greets the community as his family, you know, um, and he, he's given, uh, he actually gave a, a speech at the grand opening of the youth center and he talked about how um, he's extremely proud of the community coming together to help support this project um, that's been going on and, and everybody's equal concern for the youth. And that's another aspect that I think they, they're proud of is our desire to raise up youth that are good leaders and uh, help assist in that process. But um, yeah, we're proud of our youth. And, you know, I say we, because I really am a part of this. I'm, I'm a community member, but not a tribal member. I, I like Rod Vaughn, the director. He always says that. And I, I think I, I lean into that a lot too, is, you know, um, I'll never be a tribal member. I'll never be a native here. Um, but uh, I am a community member here. This is my home. You know, I, I know the community. Um, you know, this, this is where I am. And so, um, but yeah, we're proud of our youth. Um, we're definitely, I mean, definitely proud of that family aspect of, of treating everybody as, as relatives. Another thing is there's a high respect and a high appreciation of our elders. And so whether you're young or old, or even some elders will treat other elders the same, but there's an understanding that our elders go first. Um, and a lot of communities, you know, it's all, you know, kids go first, but uh, I think, uh, the tribe here really focuses on elders first um, because they're the ones who have taught us. They're the ones who teach us wisdom still and, and help us um, uh, kind of navigate um, the earlier years of, of the um, life here on the reservation. So that's another thing that I think the community is proud of. Um, I think a very obvious one is, I guess, where we live. Um, where we live physically is absolutely beautiful. It, you know, there's a lot of hard things that happen here in the community. Um, and there's a lot of difficult things, but uh, one thing that we, um, the community really leans into is how beautiful just our community is um, at a very physical level. Like we have the Missouri River that's, I mean, I can look right now and I just saw a big group of ducks and geese flying right over, landing in the river right here in front of me. Um, we've got, you know, beautiful prairie. We've got all kinds of wildlife um, and really proud of that because, you know, traditionally you know the native people that's how, how they lived you know very in tune with um, the nature around them right following the the buffalo across the plains it's in their history it's in their dna quite literally to um, appreciate nature um, and to be a part of that and so um yeah very very proud of our physical place that that we um, live in so something that I've noticed when people are going into different contexts, they're different than where they grew up, is if you can identify the things that the community is proud of mm. and where that overlaps or contradicts scripture, mm. then you can yeah. kind of lean into, okay, these are areas that are going to be hard that I'm going to have to confront. These are areas where they're going to get it. It's mm -hmm. like one thing that I personally think a lot of people that grow up in the U.S. have trouble understanding is in scripture your primary concern is for others not yourself mm -hmm. right because we're taught from a really young age like you know follow your dreams the world is your oyster kind of stuff yeah. right and it's about me and i might love my family but they're second it's primarily about me mm -hmm. and you said this is a really family oriented community that's pretty unique 
mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of us. It's not something a lot of us have experienced. Does that make it easier to teach some of those really other centric, family centric, community centric Christian and Jewish ethics that we find in scripture? Mm-hmm. Is that less of a challenge in your context? Is it easier to teach like primarily your concern for someone else? Or is there still that? Mm-hmm. I guess, is it is it just a human cross cultural thing that people have trouble finding mm-hmm. concern for other people above themselves? I think so. I mean, we, even though there's that community connectedness and we're all family I mean, every individual is still an individual right they still have their own um, desires and wishes and i would say i mean it's i think safe to say all of the issues that we see in any community are because people are selfish in their desire for doing what they want you know it's just the the sinful nature of saying it's what i want it's it's about me um yeah i mean that can make it difficult on a, an individual and personal basis, but also, you know, we're all a family and um, that can make it difficult too when when we have to teach something that goes against the native traditional beliefs, right? Because then they'll say, let's stick to our, our traditional native ways. We're, we got to stay tight to what we've been taught over the last, you know, however many years from our ancestors. And so that can be difficult because we, we want to respect the beautiful aspects of the culture here, but we also are not willing to compromise biblical principles and teachings for the sake of us making them feel better about, you know, what they're teaching. And personally, that's been a huge um, difficulty because, like I said, I do a lot of wakes and funerals and a lot of the wakes and funerals you hear about people who will come up and share and say, well, I know they're in heaven. You know, I know they're they're with our ancestors and things and it's like um you know not that i'm going to say they're in heaven or hell but you know some people i I can't stand up there and say that and so i have to kind of change my message to not necessarily say this person's in heaven because i don't know that um and i can't say what this person said is true they're with their ancestors and i have to say here's what the gospel is here's what this situation can point us to and that's difficult. In fact, one of the one of the last um, papers I wrote in Bible College for Dr. Curtis was focused on um, looking into how every culture, well, specifically because I wrote it specifically for the Native culture here, um, and how traditionally the um, non-Native person or usually white Catholics would come in and and strip every cultural thing from the native people and say you know there was the the famous saying that was going around in the 1800s which was um uh kill the indian save the man in other words take everything from their culture and and modernize them you know take the savage out of them horrible thing to do so that's kind of engraved into their you know their mind as that's part of that generational trauma that's been put on them just historically um there's a catholic school that's still in operation um, well, it's the boarding school now, the tribe has control of it now, but um, it had lots of things that it did that were horrible against the native people. Um, and, uh, but my paper, I guess back to my paper, big roundabout here, but my paper was focusing on the fact that why our goal is to raise up leaders. In fact, my goal is to get myself out of a job. I want to replace myself with a um, spirit-led, um, Christ-honoring, God-fearing local individual. Because I think that they will understand those cultural things that I might not ever understand. And I can trust that I'm a non-tribal member coming into this community. I'm not gonna understand everything. But if I know that somebody who is spirit-led, that's a tribal community member, 
they're going to be able to decipher how, you know, what to teach and what not to teach. They're going to be able to say, you know, this part of the culture is absolutely fine and beautiful to, to celebrate. Um, but this part of the culture, you know, the spirit of God inside me is saying, you know, we're not supposed to take part in that. Um, and we have many, I was just talking to a lady at the gym. I see her almost every day. And we usually are praying about the things in her life. And, and she's almost always having the battle with her family about um, traditional things that aren't appropriate and aren't right. And, and tried to teach them the way of Jesus, but still honoring traditional beliefs. And so I guess a roundabout way to answer, answer your question. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult on a personal and uh, a large level um, because yeah, everybody's got their own way of thinking, the way of doing things. And with that family aspect that we're all supposed to believe traditional way, it can be difficult when their traditional way goes against what scripture is. And, and that's a battle. And so that's why I'm trying to raise up some young guys now to kind of take my spot so that they can make those calls um, more confidently than I can. Yeah. And that's a terrific response because like as an outsider, as someone in a different cultural context, I'm looking at your context. And when I heard you said, say, you know, oh, they have this great family mm. emphasis. I'm thinking, oh, man, that would be great. That'd mm. be so good if my church community saw everyone as a part of their family. Yeah. You know, because I'm just I'm thinking about the good parts of it mm -hmm. at the same time. You know, you can think about just the negative. But the reality is that tradition has good and bad and can mm -hmm. really provide some obstacles for you in certain oh, yeah. contexts. You know, I don't I can't dishonor my parents or my grandparents by going against them mm -hmm. on this thing that scripture clearly teaches against. So I'm going to keep doing what my family has done for generations because mm -hmm they're my family. I can't, I can't not do that. Or my community as my larger family, you know, I wish we could keep going, but we're running out of time here. I know you mm -hmm. need to get going. So I have one last question for you. You can answer super quickly. Okay. And yeah, I'll let yeah. you go. Okay. What's something recently or right now that God is teaching you? Um, since I've been here, I have constantly been doing something different. You know, I've got my main things I'm doing, but but it's it's just it's beautiful to see how God can change something so fast and rearrange everything so fast. And maybe this isn't something that I'm that's necessarily new, but it's something that I'm constantly reminded of is, man, we in the ministry of the kingdom of God, you have got to be flexible. Like there is there's just no question about it. Like I went from one night being, you know, full time pastor here and, and, and you know, preaching the word every week, which I'll still have part in that to um, literally the next day, you know, I was asked to, you know, are, would you be willing to, to change your position and spend your time at the youth center? I mean, in a heartbeat, like my whole direction of ministry is instantly like thrown way to the left. And, and I was totally fine with it. And I think that that's just because that through my, you know, two and a half, almost three years of being here and really ministry since you know i was even younger doing you know ministry things it's god is 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 so cool to be able to use a willing heart that's just like you want to change let's change and that's not always been an easy thing you know you know as a, a pastor i've got things that i'm trying to accomplish and do and, and i've got to set those aside you know now and kind of give that to somebody else to do um and so flexibility is just so key and and like i said obvious thing if you're going to be in ministry, you need to know that. And if you don't have that in ministry, your ministry is going to suffer if you're not willing to be flexible, because it's not often that we stick to the same thing and do that over and over and over. Um, 
And so, yeah, there's some things that are never changing and there's many things that are constantly changing. Um, and so really, I guess I, I've been seeing God work in incredible ways and in just um, how he can change something so quick um, and allow me to be a part of that and allow um, people in this ministry to be a part of those so quickly changing things. Like we, we would not have imagined we'd have a beautiful new facility for the community and for the teens as soon as we did and in the ways that we did. It's like, if we weren't willing to be flexible and move with some of those changing things, we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, and that's probably goes for most thriving ministries. Awesome. That's a great note to end on. Andrew, thank you so much for giving us some time today. Yeah. I'm sure that this is going to be helpful and it's going to bless a lot of people. Um, so again, thank you. Mm -hmm. Is there any, any parting thoughts or information on the ministry you want to throw out there and anyone that's listening? Um, just, just a big thank you, you know, uh, for you kind of, um, hosting the conversation and in, in the context of what we're talking about. And, um, I'm hoping that it will be a blessing to somebody again. I wish I had more, more time as well, but maybe we'll do it again sometime or yeah. If you, if you got any more questions, reach out to me later too. And, and same with Martin and go check out our website. If you want to check out our website, we've got pictures of the building, pictures of um, the programming, how everything's working. And it's an awesome resource, um, as well as some, uh, we've got several videos that are put up there. I'm kind of walking through what's going on here. And so, Love to have you guys' support in that through prayer. Um, so if you guys would pray for the ministry here, Diamond Willow, both the um, Ichiyate Christian Center and the Takata Youth Center, and really just Crow Creek in general, um, that uh, God would continue to be working through this ministry in an incredible way and that uh, he would be changing the hearts of the community here because we we can only assist in that, but he's the one that makes things grow. And so we'll, we'll continue to pray for that. So if you'd join us in that prayer, that would be awesome. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Yep. Thank you.